That's where we are today in the church world. But what we need to do, God let me know something about revival. We've had some people with healing ministries, and the moment anyone shows up, there's such a vacuum for power, such a vacuum for the manifest presence of God. Even in Pentecostal churches, used to, this only occurred in what we call nominal churches and, and uh, more denominational-oriented Christianity. But it did not occur in Pentecostal churches. Our churches were born out of the Azusa Street Revival, the visitation of God to America and the outpouring of His Spirit. And they were so afraid of denominational structure quenching the spirit, uh, that they didn't want to become independent in the sense of being rebels against all authority, but they didn't want to have such a political hierarchy within the church that the Holy Spirit wasn't free to lead and to move. Amen. And that's why used to, you almost had to go to a tent revival to get where God would show up and show out. A formal church, it rarely ever occurred. And that's a tragic shame that that had to happen. And there, anyone just like the Lakeland outpouring, any, anyone that comes with a gift of healing uh, draws people because God is manifesting His power and His presence. I was a bivocational when the revival started in Lakeland just a short few months and years ago. And people came from all over the world to Lakeland, Florida. Because they believed there was a move of God there. Well, the leader of that movement, because it was not based in a foundation where it needed to be based, it was based on gifts and miracles and not the truth of the Word and the Savior on the cross. The shift was to angels and manifestations. Instead of Jesus on the cross, Jesus and Him crucified. You know, Paul, with all his gifts, said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus and Him crucified. If you get away from that, you're away from the foundation. And the truth that saves, not just heals and delivers, but saves and sets free. So everything was based on Christ on the cross. He said, if I glory, and he had all these gifts of the spirits and manifestations in his life, but he wasn't known and didn't want to be known for that. He said, if any man has a reason to glory or to boast, I more. And if you want to use it in my religious background, I'm a Jew of the Jews circumcised the eighth day according to the law. Want to take our lineage back? I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And concerning the law, you talk about self-righteous. Paul was there. Concerning the law, I was blameless. You can't accuse me of breaking any of the commandments. Well, when he came to Christ, he found out he was dead wrong about that. For we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Actually, it convinced us that we couldn't, be, we couldn't meet God's righteous standard by keeping the law perfectly. We had to have a Savior, and God sent one in Jesus. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. But Paul said, if any man have reason to boast, I more. He could have bragged about his afflictions. He said, he said, listen, he said, I was beaten with rods three times. I was given 39 stripes of the Jews on five different occasions. I was stoned and left for dead. I was among false brethren. Isn't it amazing that he put false brethren that hurt him in his heart 
right alongside all of the painful afflictions in his body. I was among false brethren. I was in peril. I was naked and I was hungry. I fell among thieves. Can you imagine? Here's a righteous man that got robbed. Remember when he got snake bit? The only person who got snake bit, amen, was the Apostle Paul. Amen. Why do bad things happen to good people? You've got to trust God, my dear friends. You can't live a life of ease. You can't live a life of perfect comfort. The devil is out to get you, but he can't. Amen. I like what Shambach said. The devil walketh about as a roaring lion, but Jesus pulled his teeth at Calvary. But he went on to say, but the tragedy is he's gumming too many people to death. Amen. Amen. A toothless lion is destroying people. And that has to change and that needs to change. So the Apostle Paul talked about his suffering for the sake of Christ. His religious background that he had. Now his suffering for the sake of Christ. I was beaten with rods on three occasions. I was given 39 stripes of the Jews on five separate occasions. I was stoned and left for dead. They, they, they didn't stop throwing the stones until he quit moving and they thought he quit breathing. And whether he was dead and God raised him from the dead or whether he was unconscious and woke up, whatever happened to him, it did not dissuade him from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said the first thing that happened after he got up from that event, beaten and bruised and bleeding, he was, and he was found preaching in another city. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Oh, oh, we, we give up too easy. We give in too easy. I myself, I have been discouraged so many times. But here I am this morning. Hallelujah. Sometimes I come in, toe up from the flow up, just like other people come in. But I don't stay toe up from the flow up. Can you say man? That's Christian victory. It's not never getting knocked down. It's always getting up. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And God is, and that's why David said every time he got knocked down, he is a shield for me. He's my glory and he is the lifter of my head. Can you say man? Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're my glory and you are the lifter of my head. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. You're the lifter of my head. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I'm not just talking about pushing your head up. I'm talking about your heart beginning to take hold of hope and faith again. Thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me. Now, I'm a real stickler about this. The shield of faith is not a force within you. The shield of faith is not a force. You're getting over into the Star Wars stuff. Amen. And we need to stay out of science fiction and get into Christian truth and fact, spiritual fact. Hallelujah. Thou, O oh Lord, explains faith better than, than what is being brought forth today. I'm reading the Bible. I'm looking at the promises uh, when we should be looking at the person because the promise is only good as the person who made it. And if you don't count him faithful, the promise means nothing. Your faith cannot hinge on a promise on a page but a person hallelujah who is faithful who will never fail you never leave you and never forsake you who watches over his word to perform it and has the power and authority to do it can you say man hallelujah hallelujah so paul boasted 
in his sufferings in the sense he said, I went through all of this. I was beaten with rods. I was among false brethren. He said, I was, in the, I was shipwrecked. I was in the deep for a day and a night. There was 24 hours. I, I was out in the sea. And without God's deliverance, I would have been destroyed. It happened to me. Remember when they wanted to kill him? A bunch of men said, we will not eat or drink until we kill Paul. And when he heard of it, he, he by night got in a big old basket with ropes on it and they let him down in the darkness in a basket. There's a time to stand. There are, there are actually people today would accuse him of lack of faith because he used wisdom. There may be somebody back where I come from in Kentucky, if I went to a particular church back in the mountains that still does it, somebody may try to hand me a, a rattlesnake. There's a time to stand. And there's a time to move on. And if you try to hand me a rattlesnake, somebody's going to get hurt. Because <laughs> I'm going to run right over you for the door and let you and that snake misinterpret the scripture all you want to. Too many of them people got bit and died trying to take a scripture without any wisdom or rightfully dividing it. Can you say, Matt? What did, what did the song say about the, you know, about the snake handling? Somebody said they were hand, started handing snakes to people, and the guy's in that church, and, and he's up on the platform. And, and the door's in the back. And he said, where's the, where's the back door to this place? And they said, they said, there ain't no back door. He said, well, reckon where they want one. Can you say, man, I'm going to make a door. I'm getting out of here. I don't know. Treading on serpents is not handling snakes, drinking any deadly thing. Amen. It's overcoming a spiritual enemy, a spiritual entity. Taking up serpents means that I can live in a fallen world, in a faulty body. Amen. But because he that's within me is greater than he that's in this world, even though this world is filled with deadly things. Amen. It's not going to hurt me because if I get a hold of something that I know is wrong, I'm going to regurgitate. I'm going to spit it out. Glory to God. If a snake bites me, I'm going to shake it off and go on for God in the name of Jesus Christ. There's victory in Jesus today. Can you say amen? And you don't have to pick up a rattlesnake to prove it. All you have to do is get the devil where he needs to be. And that's in his place under your feet and mine. All right. Paul talked about his sufferings. And when all was said and done, and he didn't, he did not boast in the miracles then that attended his ministry. He didn't boast in that. He said, if I'm going to glory, he said, I'm going to glory in the cross. I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to proclaim. See, boasting is normally pride based, but the cross, at the foot of the cross, there's no place for human pride. That's the place where we humble ourselves before the Lord. And we're so grateful for what He's done for us. So if I'm going to boast today, I'm going to brag today. I'm going to brag on Jesus for going to the cross for me. I'm going to boast in the cross whereby 
Amen. See, the world will never get it. They will never understand it. The cross is a rebuke to the pride of man and to the rebellion of man and to the sin of man. But it's also an invitation to that same proud, rebellious man and woman to come and be saved. Can you say amen? So if I'm going to glory, Paul said, I could talk about my gifts and my anointings. I could talk about the miracles that attend my ministry. I could talk about how I've suffered and kept the faith. But rather, I'm going to glory in the cross whereby I'm crucified to this world and this world is crucified to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he went down to Corinth and he said, when I came to you, I did not come with what we're getting today in so many circles, the enticing words of man's wisdom in declaring the testimony of Christ. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Isn't that incredible that a man with such power and authority is not boasting in his power and authority? He's exemplifying it, but he's not boasting in it. It's hard to have power and authority and not boast in yourself. And that's why so many evangelists down through the years that led mighty moves of God went off the rails later on. People put them on a pedestal and they took the glory that people were giving them. Remember when Paul preached on Mars Hill? And he preached with such anointing and power and obviously miracles were occurring among the audience while he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, God confirming His Word. And you know what they said? The gods, plural, because they worship many gods, have come down to us in the form of men. And the Apostle Paul took his robe, pulled it open so they could see his chest, his flesh, and said, no, you don't worship me. I'm not a God. Now today there's a message out there that says we are gods. We are little gods. Honey, you're not a God in the... You're a spiritual being. You're going to live forever, but you are not... But it's being preached and people, they want to feel that way. Man, the flesh wants to take the glory from the one that all glory is due. And he said, I'll let no flesh glory in my presence. Amen. When a king stood up and began to revel in his glory, God just struck him down and let him, let him decompose immediately. And worm, his worm, the worms that usually take months to begin to, 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 to tear up a body and break it back down to the dust. He fell to the ground. The mighty king fell off of his throne to the ground. And the worms begin to already work. The maggots begin to work in his body. Amen. And all that glory of man. All that glory of man. All the glory of man. See, that's... Folks, everybody that thinks they're a big shot today, just wait a little while. That body is going to break down. That body is going to deteriorate. Amen. That body is destined for the dust from the dust we came. And the body part of you, that's where we're headed. There's a gravestone in New England when they showed all these gravestones and, and the inscriptions, some of the strange inscriptions on gravestones. This was a very true one. It's where it said, you are where I once was. To anybody that reads it, you are where I once was. 
and then the very sobering truth underneath it. And, and soon you will be where I am. Well, there's a great truth in that. Amen. It's appointed unto man once to die. The important thing is what happens when you die. And after this, if you're not a Christian, the judgment. In fact, after this, there is a judgment seat of Christ. And all of us Christians will be there. We'll be rewarded or ashamed. It's not about your soul and where it spends eternity. It's about whether you're rewarded, whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, it's burned up, or whether you can have a reward. Thank God your soul's not on the line at that judgment. But there's a great white throne judgment where the soul is on the line. Listen to me carefully. Paul didn't boast in that. He said, if any man boasts, if any man have reason to boast, I more. And he gave his religious credentials. And then he said of his religious credentials in particular, the things, because he held this in such high esteem, the things I once counted gain. I count them as but dung. Boy, your values change when you come to Jesus and you really understand the kingdom of God. Your values have to change. They must change. You can't have the same old value system. I love that song that said, The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Can you say, man? That's where the devil loses his ability to use the world system to tempt your weak flesh and mind. Hallelujah. That's why I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Amen. I'm not going to touch the glory. And that's why when a healing occurred, and it's one of the things that promotes pride in ministers, is gifts of the Spirit. If God uses me this powerfully, I don't need to repent. I don't need to listen to anyone else. I don't need counsel. I got it all together. When the lame man was healed at the gate beautiful, you know what Peter said? Why look upon us? Because this is human nature. Why look upon us that by our power or our holiness, this man stands before you whole. Why put us in that position? Don't you put us in that position. Can you say man? He said, we want you to know that the Jesus that you persecuted, the Jesus that you wanted put on the cross, whom God has raised from the dead through faith in his name, this man has his perfect soundness. Why look upon us as by our power or our holiness, this man stands before you whole. We always look at someone with the gifts of the Spirit as being sinlessly perfect, as their holiness and their gifts, their charismata, their power is what has done it. No, if there's victory, if there's a gift operating, it operates through faith in the name and authority of the name and the exaltation of the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say man? And everyone who sees God move through their life should know it's not us, it's He that liveth in us. Can you say man? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And He will exalt you in due season. There's a risk. There's a risk with power and blessing. The Bible said when God's people went into Canaan's fair land, and they enjoyed all the blessings that He wanted them to have. There's a warning with the blessing. Beware. 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 
lest after thou hast planted and thy fields have bumper crops, after thou hast eaten to thy full and built your houses and dug ore from those hills, and all these blessings are yours. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God in keeping His commandments as I command you this day. Beware that you don't become proud, self-willed, amen, hard-hearted. Beware. Beware, because that's when we become vulnerable to the enemy, to be led away of our own lust and enticed. Lust conceived brings what? Sin. It's got to be interrupted. This process has to be interrupted somewhere. Sin, when it's finished, pays the same dividend. It hasn't changed to accommodate the culture or the post-20th century church. It hasn't changed there isn't this cheap grace that says we can sin without consequence because of God's grace is a lie out of the pit of hell and it's taking so many people captive today I'm seeing people fall away that I never dreamed I would see fall away I'm seeing people quit God and not have any conscience about it I'm seeing people quit serving God and have no conscience about it that I never dreamed that I would see turn away, that I've known for years and, and have prayed with and stood with, and yet to see them fall away, to see them go back instead of forward, to see them do it without conscience or without conviction. Amen. Caught up in the, in the current of this world system, giving in to the culture. Loving pleasure. Just like the world, mirroring the world, mimicking the world. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, what are we pleasuring? What is giving us pleasure? It's giving in to our fleshly desires. Listen to what God said about the kingdom. He said, he said in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. There's something beyond pleasing the flesh. And you can't give the flesh enough to ever satisfy. That's the problem. Ever getting, but never having enough. Ever grasping, never having enough. There's not enough illicit sex to satisfy that person going out looking for the one night stand every single weekend. There's not enough sex. There's not enough pleasure to satisfy. And that's why they're back Week after week, looking and looking for the next level of pleasure. And that's why there are so many people that are so promiscuous today because they keep looking for love in all the wrong places, just like the song says. Ever getting, Brother Hobbs, never having enough, never an insatiable appetite, a thirst that is never quenched. That's why God, God told the woman at the well, the Syrophoenician woman, he told her, he said, he said, if you drink from that well, you're going to thirst again. You're going to come right back. Well, of course you are. You can't, you can't drink enough water to never thirst again. You can drink till you're about to burst, but give it 24 hours. If you're going to get thirsty again, you're going to hunt water again. And then he related that to her life. He said, and you've had five husbands. You give up on marriage and now you're living with a man who isn't your husband because you give up on relationships. But you keep looking, keep searching for something and someone to satisfy. 
this thirst in your soul, but if you knew who it was that asked you to give me drink, you would ask of me and I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. The greatest defense against temptation is the living water (laughs) of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he said. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasure. Now to look at some people, you wouldn't think that serving God is pleasant at all. Amen. We ought to put the world to shame on Sunday morning. There ought to be nothing they do on Saturday night to compare with what we do on Sunday morning. Thank you for the patty cake. Now give him a hand clap. Glory be to God. There ought not be nothing. They ain't got nothing. They got an empty bucket that can't hold any water. A broken cistern that can hold no water. Can you say amen? But we are receptacle for living water. Amen. To fill up and run over. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We need a time of refreshing from the hand of the Lord. We need an inrushing of the presence and power of God that we find pleasure in Jesus, pleasure in His Word, pleasure in His work, pleasure in His worship. Woo! Pleasure in His presence. Woo! Hallelujah. I was glad, David said, when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. I find pleasure in Him. When I found pleasure in sin, He said, My soul, my soul was wearied. My soul was dried up like a potsherd. My soul was like a desert. But when I confessed my sin and restored fellowship with Him, it all changed. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Take this whole world and give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. See, without that value system, that priority, men and women are turning back. And I'm going to call it what it is. It's not a little winter time. It's backsliding. It's plain and simple. It's backsliding. And the thing about it, if you're a Christian, you're in covenant with God. And the reason that I believe in revival, and we're a candidate in America, there's so many backslidden Christians, some of them in church, some of them out of church, but they're in the same spiritual condition. Not only are there backsliders, there's tares among the wheat. People have never really met Christ claiming Christ. And other people see how they live their lives and say, that's all there is to Christianity. The enemy loves to do that. A tear looks like wheat, and you can't get them out. You're not supposed to. Just stay, stay the course. Preach the truth. Amen. Some are going to leave. Some are going to stay. But, amen, there's a day, payday coming someday. And that someday is not very long away. 
And God is going to separate the tares from the wheat. Two will be sleeping in one bed. One will be taken. The other left. Two will be working in the field. One will be taken and the other left. There's a payday coming. I want to make sure I'm the one that's taken and not the one that's left. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's why I can't shape my values by what somebody else does or does not do. Hallelujah. It gets personal between me and Jesus. Remember the old country music song about going out and, 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 and you know, laying around and drinking up on, on the weekend, me and Jesus. See, after, after the partying is over and the compromises are made, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. No, honey, Jesus will never concede that it's okay for you to get in that spider's web. Because when He feels the vibrations on that web, He's coming to get His victim. Can you say man? Amen. And the devil weaves a web for every man, woman, boy, and girl. But Jesus came to tear it down and tear it up. We were down here last night just to check on things. And, and my wife went over and she found a few spider webs. And we just elected. Dougie Doug to deal with it. Can you say, man? He's got he got some poison. He got some spray. Amen. The webs may have been there for six months, but Doug has been elected. Hallelujah. He's got to come down and give it to him. Praise God. Amen. God don't want to just get you out of the web. He wants to kill the spider. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, He has in your behalf. It's not the devil and his power. It's our flesh and its weakness. Hallelujah. It's our flesh that's got to be dealt with. Somebody called me the other day and wanted a prayer of deliverance. You believe in the gifts of the Spirit and casting out devils. I said, yes, we do. But too many people don't want to deal with their flesh. They don't want to crucify their flesh. They don't want to own their compromise nor their sin. They just want to blame it all on the devil. And they don't like it when you ask them personal questions. I said, I don't cast out devils unless I know it's the devil. It's, I mean, I don't want to have to throw somebody out. Brother Brindle, you cast the devil out? Yeah. No, that's not how we do it. You can't blame the devil on your own lust that you're giving in to. He's the tempter. As far as he can go, you've got to open the door. You've got to give place. He ain't got no authority to take any in your life. Shut the door. Shut the door. Leave the devil in the night. Can you say, man? So I started talking about the gift of discerning of spirits, find out what's really going on. I said, don't tell me what's wrong with you. If you know what's wrong with you, it's like going to a doctor and telling him what's wrong with you instead of go to a doctor and get a diagnosis. We need to run some tests before we make a prescription. Amen? We need to run some tests. Boy, the conversation was very short. No, nobody wants to stand up to the scrutiny of the Word. Are you a Christian? 
Are you really a Christian? I didn't ask if you've been baptized in water, if you joined some church. I'm asking, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you walking in the Spirit? See, if you're doing all these other things, the devil can't do what you claim he's doing in your life. He can't possess you. He can't possess you. He can influence you if you give in to it. He cannot possess you. Why? Because he that's in you, (laughs) hallelujah, is greater than he that's in this world. That's why. He'll lie to you. He'll take credit for what your weak flesh is allowing to happen. Amen. But if you get the truth in you, He can't do it anymore. You've got to own your sin, confess it and repent of it, and God will set you free. But if you just want to keep giving in to sin and blame the devil for it, it won't wash. There are demon-possessed people. But when you get a whole bunch of Christians confessing demon possession and they're true followers of Jesus, we got a real issue. We got a real issue. Because if the devil's that powerful, none of us are going to make it. He's going to invade all of our lives and possess all of our bodies and cause us to do things that our, our spirit and our God and the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. It's easier to blame the devil, isn't it? The devil made me do it. What a lie out of the pit of hell. You're a Christian and the devil made you do it? No, you gave in to your flesh, plain and simple. Unless you own your sin and crucify your flesh, you're going to keep giving in to the devil, giving place to the devil. I believe you can be oppressed by the devil. I believe there's a lot of people who, who are already into stinking thinking and he's influencing their mind. But this idea that you need to be, you're a Christian, you're a true child of God, you've been born from above, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has come to indwell you, and your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and the devil's kicked them out and took over. You need to get in a, in the Bible. You need to get in the Word of God. You need to get renewed in the spirit of your mind. My daddy was so sweet, and the devil would lie to him, and he could listen to the devil. He, could, he just got weak, and he was weak his whole life. He got in the wrong kind of teaching. Got in the wrong kind of teaching to begin with. It was filled with fear and no faith in it. Didn't know who he was in Christ or who Christ was in him. Before he died, he said, I've learned more in this, this time of you, you being my caregiver than I ever learned in my whole life playing music in church. Because you've got to be careful if you're a musician. Because you go to play your music. You go to play to the crowd to get their applause rather than to hear and heed the Word of God. And I said, Dad, come go to church with me. If you feel bad, I'll take you home and come back and get Pamela. Come come to church with me. We'll take two vehicles. You can sit in my office if you need to. Come and go to church with me. He wouldn't and he wouldn't and he wouldn't and he wouldn't. 
And I finally pinned him down. I said, Dad, why don't you come to church? I know you're feeling better now. Why don't you come to church with me? Get in the presence of God. He said, well, Bobby, to be honest, he's such a sweet guy. He said, Bobby, to be honest, he said, I know that you have the gift of discerning of spirits. And I'm afraid that you might discern that I have a devil. And I thought, what? Now see how foolish we get. But when you get into just fear, when the enemy has more influence than Christ has, something is wrong in the foundation stones of your faith. He didn't get rooted and built up in Jesus, and he sure didn't get rooted and grounded in love. His foundation was fear. And in fact, his parents used fear to control him. And preachers use fear to get people to do something instead of sit there like a bump on the log. He said, I'll never forget Johnny Trevelyan. See, this is where the fear got seated. People he respected with wrong teaching. He said, he was making the altar call. Telling people, you need to get right with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's how he framed it. He said, I had a dream last night that I died and I left my body. I was standing at the gate of heaven. Instead of Simon Peter, you know how stories go, he said Christ was right there at the gate. And he said, I started to go in. I assumed that I'm saved. I've been saved for years. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I started to walk in and he stopped me. I said, you can't go in. Well, listen, if you can't go in there, there's only one other place to go. You've got to go somewhere. And he said, he looked at Jesus and said, why can't I come in? He said, because you forgot to dot the I. You forgot to cross the T. In other words, you were almost worthy, but not quite enough. Evangelists used to come to our church and say, I'm, I'm running to make a hundred because 99 and a half just won't do. Well, if 99 and a half won't do, you're not going to heaven because you can't make a hundred. And that's why the law is our schoolmaster. It's to, come on, school's in. School is in. Did he come to destroy it? No, he came to fulfill it. But he said the first step in fulfilling of the law in the keeping of the commandments by the new nature, hallelujah, amen, is to recognize that no one can keep it any other way. Can you say amen? And it convinces the most righteous people of that day that you've broken something here. And he said it is so crucial that if you offend in one point, one point, one point. You're guilty of the whole law. So there's people in here that would never and have never committed adultery and look down on somebody that did, but you haven't loved God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body, and you broke it in the first commandment, and you're guilty of the whole law. So just put the stones down. Get rid of the self-righteous attitude. Can you say man? Can you say man? Humble yourself under the hand of God. Thank Him for the grace that saves your soul. Remember the story of the man that got to the gate of heaven? He gets to the gate of heaven and Peter says, 
Why do you think that you're worthy of entering here? He said, because I have given my whole life to world missions. He said, that's worth ten points. He said, okay. He said, I have helped the poor in Haiti all my life. He said, good. That's worth three points. He said, okay. He said, I was a member of the Civitans Lions Club, and we help people in our community. He said, it's good for five points. He went down a ten-point list of things that he had done, good deeds. He ended up with about 35 points. He said, okay, how many points does it take to get in? Peter said about a million. He said, then nobody can get in except for the grace of God. He said, come on in. Amen. Amen. If you're going to heaven today, you have been saved. And you've been saved by grace, through faith. It is, it is, it is, it is, it always will be. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man can boast. No one will walk through those gates. No one will stand on those golden streets and show that they were worthy to be there. There's only one thing. Amen. And that plea is nothing less than what we sang earlier. Amen. Nothing, 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 nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For there's none righteous. Reiterated. Say reiterated. There's none righteous. And somebody thinks they're worth it. No! Not one! (laughs) But my grandma... There ever was anybody that deserved to go to heaven? Quit that nonsense. Quit that nonsense. Quit that nonsense. That's not biblical. She did not deserve to go to heaven because she was such a wonderful person. She's going like everybody else gets there. It's going to take the blood of Jesus because you can't get there any other way. Jesus had no problem getting sinners to repent. He had a problem getting the righteous to repent. The self-righteous in particular. So as we receive communion this morning, if any man glory have reason to boast, Paul said, I'm more. I'm more. I'm more. But the things I once counted gain to me, I count them as but dumb that I may win Christ. Can you say amen? That I may win Christ. That I may win Christ. Today in Holy Communion, let's own our sin. Let's confess our sin. Let's repent of that sin and be restored by the mercy and grace of a wonderful God.
And let's boast in the cross when we leave here. Let's flaunt our forgiveness in the devil's face and walk in the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah.